Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the Action Network. I am Chad Millman, and today, as we did the week before last, we have Chris Raybon and Stucky McStucky, our NFL experts who co-host our award-winning, that is true, award-winning Action Network podcast. Last week, they joined and we went deep on the NFC. Today, we are breaking down the AFC division odds, conference odds, Super Bowl odds. This is also a reminder. Two weeks ago, when they were on, we asked fans to rate and review the podcast. Those who did and used the winning phrase, I need a six pack, which is in honor of my favorite podcast segment. When Stucky and Raybon go through their six favorite bets of the week, anyone who used I need a six pack in their review would be eligible to win a free Action Network hoodie. Loads and loads of reviews. We have been giving stuff away nonstop. So thank you for all that later in the show. We will reveal the winner. Reminder, reminder. This week, we are doing another phrase that pays. Go rate and review the podcast using this phrase. You guys are going to love this. The dynamic duo, Raybon and Stucky. The dynamic duo, Raybon and Stucky. That's because these two are like the superheroes of betting. Yeah, yeah Stuck. I mean, I'm glad like, that we didn't have to come up with this because I don't think we've ever called ourselves that. That would be so awkward. The superheroes of betting. Please, <laughs> if we choose your review, you will win a free Action Network hoodie. Go listen to all the Action Network podcasts, Golf, Jason Sobel and Peter Jennings, the DFS pod with Raybon, Sean Corner, Matthew Friedman. Ah, here we go, boys. Raybon and Stucky. How you guys doing? I was on vacation last week, so I didn't get to do this with you last week, and I missed you. Uh, feeling good, like a half dynamic duo should. I'm feeling productive. I mean, it's I've been busy as hell. I've NFL stuff, college football stuff, tennis stuff, baseball stuff. Everything that I do is back. So it's uh, certainly a slammed time of the year with a slam going on right now. And somehow, and somehow, your hair has never looked better. If people could see this, and I Not hope great. people go check out a video from any one of our Twitter feeds, Stucky's hair is no joke 10 feet tall right now. Just for you. I had to look good for the favorites. I appreciate that. Guys, last week we talked about our uh, NFC favorites in each division and then our favorite to win the conference and get to the Super Bowl. So this week, I want to run it back for the AFC. So first, first, let's do the main thing. The main thing. Number one, the AFC North. Give me your AFC North picks. Stucky, I'm going to want you to respond. It's tough because you have the, the Ravens and they're so good. And you look at that rest of that division and I think the only pick for me is the Steelers. And by the way, that's the first uh, Super Bowl future that I bet uh, this year. So, you know, that's the, that's the team I'm going to go with. And the reason is, Anytime you have a big favorite like that, there's usually going to be some value in a division somewhere. Every report out of camp from the Browns has been pretty negative, which worries me because I thought Stefanski was a pretty good hire for them. Uh, the Bengals, I think, as much as I like Joe Burrow, 25 to 1, that's, they're still about a year, a couple years away. So it's really the Steelers with that top three defense, defense in off, uh, DVOA and offense in a pass and run. Uh, if anyone's going to give the Ravens a run for their money, it's going to be them. And Big Ben is back. So they could win ugly. Um, they could win with offense. They could win with defense. Uh, give me the Steelers at plus 350 to win the AFC North. All right. So right now, let me just run it down. Right now, according to our friends at DraftKings, the Ravens are minus 225. The Steelers are plus 350. The Browns are plus 450. And the Bengals are plus 2,500. Stuck. Let's see your response. The Baltimore Ravens fan from Philadelphia, give us your answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree necessarily with Ray, but I don't think there's much value in the Ravens. I mean, I do think that they're going to win the division. I have them them and the Chiefs, and we'll get to the Chiefs, are the two highest-rated teams in the NFL by a wide margin. I mean, I think that there's some regression in the 49ers, you know, and the Saints and the Cowboys. That's kind of like that next tier. But I have the the Ravens and the Chiefs almost, I think, a full field goal over on a neutral field over the rest of the NFL. So they're, they're the elite teams in the NFL. And obviously you have to have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes stay healthy. The Ravens are just a tad below the Chiefs, and that's because Earl Thomas, you do have to replace him at safety. You know, he was kind of getting up there in age, was having trouble tackling, but, you know, and they lost Marshall Yanda, Hall of Fame guard. Uh, okay, what's the interior of the offensive line going to look like? But they beefed up their defensive line. They drafted linebackers. 
And, you know, they're going to get Tavon Young back in the slot and it allows Peters and Humphrey to go on the outside. Defense is going to be really good, really underrated. The offense will be there with Lamar Jackson. But there's just no value in this number. The Bengals, I'm very low on. It's one of my favorite win total unders, especially if you could buy, if you could find a six, under six, minus 125, minus 130. This is not the year to have all of these coaching changes, scheme changes, quarterback turnover. A lot of the things that we talk about with the Panthers are applicable to the Bengals. And in addition, you're asking a rookie quarterback to learn a whole new system and coming in his rookie year. And it's very difficult for rookie quarterbacks anyway, but especially this year. So I'm very low on the Bengals. The Browns have some of those same issues with – I loved all their hires, but they have new schemes, new coaches, a lot of these things that you're trying to implement without a preseason, shortened preparation, shortened summers, et cetera, et cetera. So not only do I think that some of these teams will struggle early, the rust and, and just getting up to speed, lack of execution might last longer into the year. So I think the only logical pick is the Steelers, especially if Big Ben could come in and just give that offense anything. The offense had nothing last year. I think that's the pick from a value perspective. From a futures perspective, you look at the Browns because if they, if they do figure it out, it's a team that could peak later in the year and you want to buy that upside. But I think for the division, I, you got to go Steelers. I agree with Raybon. Raybon, you just said something really interesting about the Browns and Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski, mm-hmm. the new coach. You've been hearing things that make you uncomfortable. Explain what those are. This time of year, and it's more fantasy-driven because I think betting is a little different process, but I'm really reading about everything that's going on in camp and these offenses and these defenses, just what, how, how everyone's practicing. And one thing that's really concerned me is we're seeing that the offenses look really ugly in camp. Baker Mayfield, it really has kind of been a pickup of what, where he left off last year, which worries me on two fronts. One, because we all thought Baker Mayfield was going to be like the next, you know, the next thing here at quarterback, and it hasn't been the case. And, you know, you've had Jarvis Landry missing time. Odell Beckham hasn't been the same receiver he's been early in his career. Um, so really all you have now is this run game to me now, and we know that's the most inefficient way to win a football game is running. Like it's going to have the least impact. So you can have a great running back in Nick Chubb. You can have a great running back in Kareem Hunt. Um, that is not going to win you football games as much as pass offense and pass defense. And so, you know, and the defense, which looked great, is all banged up too, you know. So I, that might be another one of those win total unders that I look to, to, to hammer at the Cleveland Browns. It's just, it's just not – I'm not hearing what I need to hear, especially, uh, as Stucky said, in a year where there's so much turnover, you want things to get right at least a, a little bit before you start the season because every team's making adjustments in season. So it's kind of, you know, oh, well, we can kind of turn it around. Like every team's doing that. So um, when things are kind of ugly early, it, it sets off a red flag for me. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this division right now is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, Admittedly, I bet the Steelers when the number was at, where did I get it at? I got Pittsburgh about four to one. So I feel a little, I feel pretty good about the number I got. Mike Tomlin did the best coaching job he might have ever done, including winning Super Bowls uh, last year. When he's got Duck Hodges as his quarterback, he's without Antonio Brown, he's without Le'Veon Bell. Like he kept that team together, and they ended up playing fairly well throughout the year, and were a team that had a chance to make a run into the playoffs. So, if he is getting any weapons back at all, then I feel like he is a guy who can turn this team into something that is really surprising and really special. And stuck like you talk about Earl Thomas. You talk about Marshall Yonda, like those are huge, huge losses to a team that don't get sort of accounted for in the glamour stats, right? And especially on the offensive line. And so I do think that there's a little bit, just a little bit of an opportunity, coupled with the fact that like there is more film now on Lamar Jackson and as good as he is, and I'm sure he will find ways to sort of counter whatever the defenses are throwing at him there are more opportunities to understand what he's doing than there were last year. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with you. It's just that the Ravens are, because of their defense, I mean, Earl Thomas, he couldn't tackle. He wouldn't tackle anyone. So it's mainly just, all right, he was still a very productive free safety. Can Jimmy Smith step in? Can Deshaun out? So they they do have to find that deep safety that Earl Thomas still was effective in being that center fielder. The Yanda losses, it does help to have two bookend tackles. The, one, the only thing, the caveat that I would throw out there betting against the Ravens is that they're just an excellent organization. And in a year when you have all of this well-coached, besides those two losses, they're bringing a lot back. The pieces they added, I think, really fit well. You know that they're going to be prepared. 
They also don't travel at all. It's the fewest miles traveled in like six years. So there's a lot of things still working in the Ravens' favor. But at minus 225, no thanks. I don't disagree with you. It's the Steelers are the, the value pick for the division. And the Browns, like, look, they have now two tackles, which is what May, you think Mayfield's weaknesses are. He just kind of scrambles and bails out. If, the, if they can figure out the offense, this is an – I mentioned this on the last podcast. If they can start to figure out the, you know, more two tight end sets and this, and I think an offense that fits more Mayfield style, then, you know, and they can make a run late in the year to get to eight and eight or something that remember this year, that could get you into the playoffs. And, you know, if you're, if you're, you could find a 30 to 40 to one, and you want to buy the Browns upside, go ahead and do it. But the defensive injuries now mixed with, you know, with Delpit and Ward mixed with the offensive reports in camp makes me a lot more hesitant than I was a week or two ago. All right, so basically on the AFC North, we're in consensus. We all like the Steelers as the better value. I I will tell you right now, I like the Steelers to win the AFC North. I'm just going to say it. Not even from a value perspective. I just like them to win the division. It's so hard to continue to repeat as a division winner in a division where you have real talent and like you're going to have to play that team twice in the year. I like the Steelers to win the AFC North. Stucky and Raybon, you both like the value on the Steelers. My gathering is that you both think the Ravens will be the ones who win it. I think they should win it. I think they're, they are better than the Steelers at this point. Obviously, we know that there is a lot of uncertainty. And so, you know, a couple of things go the Steelers' way and against the Ravens. The Steelers could win that division. Like, I, don't, I think that the, the gap is way too big. But I, the thing with the Ravens, you know, they, they have Greg Roman and, and, and uh, Stuck kind of mentioned it. Just a great organization. And Greg Roman come, being there with Lamar Jackson, like regardless if they got a, a, an offseason to fully practice or not, um, everywhere Greg Roman has gone, he's taken guys that have been like borderline developmental star, uh, quarterbacks in terms of their throwing ability. Um, Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo made him a starter. Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco made him a, a Super Bowl starter over Alex Smith. Um, and he, so he does this. So as long as he's there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about the Ravens. Um, it, but it's going to come down to those two teams and it's going to come down to maybe who has a misstep against the Browns or against the Ravens and the Steelers is for all, as much as I love Tomlin, you know, Stuck and I, we talk about this all the time. You always have these Mike Tomlin letdown spots where he can't necessarily give you the rah, rah. It's like not a big game that, you know, you have to like, um, you know, the, the odds are against you. Sometimes the Steelers slip up in those situations. So like you, if you, if they lose like one of those games to the Browns or something, that could be the difference. And I know the Ravens lost one to the Browns last year, but. I still have a little bit of an edge to the, to the Ravens. Or a, uh, a significant one, I should say. Significant. A huge test. Now, I know it's week one, <laughs> but a huge test for me and the Steelers team is that week one, they go to New York, right? They're, they go to the Giants. They're three and a half point favorite, I think. That line but, is ridiculous, by the way. Like, I, it, the, I came out at like two and a half. Like, I hammered that. The Steelers lose that spot every so – now, it's the first game, so it's like, hey, it's a little different. But it's, you're going to play a bad team on the road. Mike Tomlin is the worst against the spread – road favorite coach yes, in NFL history yes. by an enormous yes. margin. And he loses them outright all the time. I mean, so I want to see what the Steelers do in this spot because it could set their uh, – it could you lose to the Giants and all of a sudden it's going to be hard to catch the Ravens you drop a game like that. The division bet, you're, you can't drop a couple games like that and then yeah. you're starting one right off the bat. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the Steelers that game. Uh, Rayvon, you liked the Steelers minus two and a half. Is that what you hammered? Listen, I, I get the spot. I get, but it, yeah, as Stucky said, it's week one, and there's just such a difference between those two teams. I'm a, and I'm a Giants fan. When I saw that, it was silly. I mean, with Ben Roethlisberger, like I probably would have bet the Steelers minus two and a half last year with Duck Hodges at quarterback at New York, and like it, yeah, that was that. I didn't get that one. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the AFC West. We talked about the Chiefs. You talked about, you know, when you were talking about the Ravens. Chiefs at DraftKings right now, minus 455 to win the AFC West. Chargers, plus 800. Broncos, plus 900. Raiders, plus 1,200, 12 to 1 to win the AFC West. The Las Vegas Raiders. Stucky, you get to go first. Give me your value pick to win the AFC West. Can I say there is zero value pick? If I had to pick a team, I guess I would go with the Broncos because I have a future on it. I just think there's upside with them. If Drew Locke works out, these offensive pieces come in. If they get a wild card and they're peaking late, their defense is there. I don't think that there's any way that they could beat the Chiefs. I mean, look, you're going to have to get a ton of breaks. You get Mahomes hurt. You get a bunch of Chiefs injuries. I mean, these are the things you're at for. I'm also not laying money down on the Chiefs minus 450 to win a division. And with so much uncertainty and wouldn't do that anyway for locking money up for that long. I think the Broncos 
are the long-term – I think I like them better from an upside perspective because if you do believe in Drew Locke, I still need to see more. But if you do believe in Drew Locke, if you believe in the Shermer offense and some of the pieces they brought in in the draft, um, you know, maybe they now they're franchise center. They have two electric receivers they added to go along with Sutton. The defense should continue to get better, uh, you know, Fangio's second year. Questions at corner, but uh, there's some upside if you believe in luck. And you, I mean, in luck, and you need a quarterback in this league. I still find it hard. The Chiefs are going to win 12 games, 12, 13 games, and I don't see any of the other teams of the division without injuries winning that many games. The Chargers, I mean, Derwin James is now hurt. I mean, they have a, they're going to just be a really, really conservative team. It feels just like an 8 and 18 to me. They're going to try to win games like 20 to 17. Uh, the Raiders have a brutal schedule to start the year. I mean, they could end up 1 and 5. There's still questions on that roster, especially with the defense and the coaching. So it's really hard to make a case for any other teams. If I had to buy one, it would be the Broncos, but I'd rather just throw a couple bucks on the future. Uh, I don't want any part of the Chiefs at this price. So I'm completely past some division. But if you put a gun to my head, I'll take the Broncos. Raybon. Uh, if you put a gun in my head, I would just lay the 455 <laughs> at the Chiefs. But I agree with Stuck. Uh, this, this, there's no value in betting in huge division favorites. You, you might as well just bet them game to game to win games. Like bet their money lines, bet their – like whatever you see the value in, in a given week, um, bet that, you know, because, you know, we're too far out to really weigh that much. Um, if, if we're talking about long shot value – uh, for me, it's not the Broncos, just because I know there's a lot of hype surrounding them. But um, I think that, you know, when you look at quarterback play, Drew Locke played five games. And that's not a lot to most people. But, um, you know, he did have about, you know, about 150-ish, you know, 60 dropbacks or something to judge, which, you know, you get some predictive value out of. And it wasn't very good. Um, you know, I know that there's some pieces that are going to change. But if I'm p taking a long shot, I'm just going to go with the Chargers because at least – they have two quarterbacks who may not be very good, you know, whereas the, the Broncos have one. Uh, the Raiders have one that, like, as much as I've kind of, um, you know, dissed Derek Carr in the past, he actually had a really good season last year. They do have some additional weapons. I just don't know if the moves they made on defense will pay off to the extent that it can whiff them out of this, like, you know, to respectability. Um, if it can, it could be them, but – uh, I would just go with the Chargers because I think they have a, a defense that's still capable enough of keeping them in games. And there's some upside at the quarterback position in terms of the unknown, at least, with Herbert. And then you have Taylor, a guy who also is, you know, I don't think he's going to be as good without Greg Roman. Again, I think Roman's really the difference maker. But um, at least you have a guy that can, like, limit turnovers and, and let his defense win the game. And you still have good skill players in Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, who I think could make a run at, like, a Christian McCaffrey-type season. Um, you, you know, Hunter Henry. I know Williams is hurt, but uh, I think the Chargers, to me, just represent the best kind of overall um, value if you're betting against the Chiefs, but I wouldn't. One thing to keep in mind with the Chargers is if you're looking for a playoff perspective, they do play Chiefs Week 17. So if you're, I mean, and Chiefs might be resting a lot of people. That's not for a division bet, but just if you, want the, if you think they can get into the playoffs, that's when you would want to play the Chiefs this year. The problem with the Chargers now is the news that came out today, and that's Derwin James' injury, which doesn't look good. He is so important to that defense, one of the best safeties in the NFL. He covers in the slot. He's huge blitzing, plays deep, plays all over in that dime, Gus Bradley's dime defense, I should say. And it's that loss is it would be – awful for that defense he's a he's a legit superstar on the defensive side of the ball just wanted to throw that out there yeah the Broncos are it's, it's so interesting they are that team that like everybody is starting to talk about and we'll get to them later when we're talking about conference futures I'm sure because Stuck you said you have them I have them at 50 to 1 Stuck you immediately vaulted over the Chargers and Raybon you went with the Chargers because you feel like there's more potential upside in the unknown versus the downside in what is known about Drew Locke, which is a really smart and interesting way to look at it, was sort of evolving for me in all this. And when we had the conversation about the NFC, and I would encourage everyone to go listen to it, and I remind everybody they should rate and review the podcast and use the phrase that pays the dynamic duo of betting, Raybon and Stucky, to win free merch um, from the Action Network. But when we had the conversation about the NFC a couple weeks ago, it felt like there was no consensus at the top, and there were a lot of sort of potential contenders. When we talk about the AFC, and we're going to get to the AFC South next, we're talking about two certifiable contenders who can blow anyone else out of the water. And then almost like there's no one else we're talking about, except for massive long shots. 
So let's talk about the AFC South for a second. At DraftKings, Colts uh, plus 120, Titans plus 160, Texans plus 350, Jaguars now without Leonard Fournette plus 2200. Rayvon, talk to me. So this division is the, I think, the most, the best one for value, kind of for the reason you just said. There's actually uh, multiple teams in this division that uh, have a chance to contend. I think the Colts are going to be, you know, better. However, I'm betting against them in most situations in the market just because I think that they're, they're, over, they're overrated in the sense that I don't know if they should be like the clear favorites. I don't know if they should be, uh, you know, I've seen their win total at nine and a half, which means, you know, 10 games won. I don't know if they should be um, locked in for that. I think the team to, for value in this division is the Houston Texans. Listen, they've won nine or more games in all but one year under Bill O'Brien. That was the year when everyone got hurt, including Deshaun Watson. He's won nine or more games without Deshaun Watson, um, you know, at the quarterback position. And this really is a toss-up division that's going to come down to how these teams play against each other in these divisional matchups, I think. I think they're they're all going to probably go 2-0 against the Jaguars, or at least they should. And it's going to come down to that. And I just don't see that much separating uh, the Colts from the Titans, from the Texans, especially when you consider that uh, the Texans at this point have the best quarterback um, in, in this situation. And I know people will say they, they have the worst coach, and I would say that's 100% true. Uh, love what Frank Reich has done in Indy. Love what uh, Rabel is doing in Tennessee. Uh, but you have Deshaun Watson and you're plus 350 compared to, you know, the Titans with Ryan Tannehill at plus 160 and the Colts with Phillip Rivers, who we just talked about, you know, they Chargers underperformed when they looked really good on paper um, because of Phillip Rivers. And, and I know they're going to throw shorter this year and he's throwing underneath more and that should help. But um, I just think, again, it's too rich to, to bet them as a favorite at plus 120. So give me the Texans uh, at plus 350. Uh, they kind of remind me of like the Bears or the Lions in the, NF, in the NFC um, North where they're just, we're counting them out way too much because we have this idea of these two teams that should be at the top. Stuck, what say you? Yeah, I mean, throw out the Jags. They're not winning the division. Um, and I don't see, I mean, I have the Colts projected for like right at nine wins. And that's just because they have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Um, but I mean, it's not nine and a half. It's still nine. I actually have, from a power rating perspective, the Titans and the Colts dead even. Um, so if you were going to take one of those teams, you're getting one plus one sixty plus one twenty. I would take the Titans. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Vrabel does as a play caller on the defensive side of the ball and see what differences they need to get a little more pressure. That's one of their weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. He didn't do well in the only time he's called plays, but their defensive coordinator Dean Pease retired. He didn't replace him. He's presumably going to be calling plays. That'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, Ryan Tannehill is not a fluke. Look at all the advanced stats last year. He's in a perfect offense for his skill set with that play-action heavy, good running game. Um, you know, he's got a freak receiver to throw the ball to. It's 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 a, And all the advanced stats that he had a top-five year from a quarterback perspective once he took over as starter. Uh, so Tennessee will be there. Um, the Houston, I think, you know, if you're, if you're taking a pick in this division, it, you, I think you have to, from a value perspective, you have to either take Houston or Tennessee. Uh, just to go back to what Rayvon said, look, I, the one thing that scares me about Houston is, like, you lose Hopkins and your defense is just so bad. I mean, especially in the secondary. I mentioned coaching changes. They have a new defensive coordinator. I, can they scheme up more pressure? I mean, they just wouldn't blitz, and they would just get picked apart on third downs. So maybe there's some upside with the defense because it was just so bad last year. Now, they don't really have a defensive backfield that gets you excited. But if you can kind of scheme up different looks and more pressure, there's nowhere to go but up with that defense, especially on third downs. Uh, but you have the best quarterback in the division. It's a quarterback league. I'll say that over and over again. So I don't think you can go wrong with Tennessee or Houston. I have too many questions with Houston. And since I make Indianapolis and Tennessee, uh, I rate them similarly. Uh, give me the extra the value with uh, the Titans. What's annoying is it's not even an exciting bet. You know what I mean? Like no, this division, there, there is no five to one, six to one, save your money it'll it'll yeah. probably come down to like a week 16 matchup and it'll be like a pick and then you could just bet the game and you saved you saved holding up your money for three months that's exactly right in the afc south don't even bet a division winner bet the colts titans at the end one of the last three weeks of the year you will get better odds on whichever team on the money line 
of whichever team you think is going to win if the if like everybody is close at the end of the year. I think that's, that's, bad, and that's bad betting advice. I think this division is actually the most value to bet because it's the only one where there's like, there's three teams and they're all at plus money. And like the third one is not very different from the first two. So like, I think this is the best division to bet, honestly. Like, yeah, but it's like even, even, even the Titans, even the Titans, like Stuck said, they, you could easily look at them in the, as a favorite, but they're plus 160, you know? So I think, I think the Titans and Texans make this division a better division to bet than the others. I have no interest in, in betting a plus 160 division winner, you know, in September and waiting three or four months, hoping there's no injuries, hoping COVID concerns don't go against me when, I, you know, it might come down to a game I can bet three months from now. That's how you got to bet the Texans. You bet, well, if you bet the Texans, it's a different story. So, that's, so like, that's why I prefer, I mean, I prefer to, like, look at longer shots, futures this year more so than any, um, just with so much uncertainty. And you don't even know if we're going to have a couple weeks canceled. But I will say, Chad, though, and also one exception is if you believe in Minshew magic. I mean, if at 22 to 1 for division, I don't believe in what anything the Jacksonville's doing. But if you do, if you get 22 to 1 on division and you believe in Minshew magic, invest away. I'll say this. I'll say this. I think Gard- Gardner Minshew is better than Drew Locke. I'll say that. Here's what I love. Yeah, this is what makes you the dynamic duo of betting. Raybon, you went right after Stucky. Stucky gave bad advice, and you just went after him. Hey, man, that's what we do. He'll call me out anytime I, I fuck up, too. He probably will. Let's go to the uh, AFC East. We got the Bills. This at least gets interesting, right? The Bills, plus 120. The Patriots, plus 130. The Jets, plus 850. And it looks like the, uh, the Dolphins are at plus 800. It's all about the Buffalo Bills. Although, I mean, I just – I don't have – I don't have. I'm not rushing to the counter to bet a plus 120 division pair, as I just said. But I like the Bills for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to hammer this home, like I've done. Stability, right? Coaching. All, the Bills have all these things. They return almost every starter. They rebuilt their offensive line last year. All five of them come back, so I think their offensive line is going to be a little better, which will help. Obviously, they have add Stephon Diggs. Now you get a bona fide one-two uh, receiver duo that you can give to Josh Allen. Their defense, loaded. It's going to be great against the pass. They added some front seven pieces that I think are interesting. But, I mean, this team has a lot of stability. I love their coaching. And if you want to invest in the Bills, I'm going to go against everything I said. I don't think, the, I don't think Josh Allen is the guy to win a Super Bowl. Right? I, he's just not accurate enough yet. And we have enough of a sample size to see it. But in that division, with that defense, I think it's the Bills. I'm lower on the Patriots than the market by far. I'm lower on the Jets. So, obviously, just by default, and I'm about neutral on, on the Dolphins. I think that there's some upside there. If you want to argue for the Dolphins, go for it. But I'm just so much lower on the Jets and Patriots in particular that there's a lot of value on the Bills to me. From this division, I think the Patriots, with all of their defensive turnover, I mean, who knows what we're going to get on offense. I still don't believe in any of their, their skill position players. They're surrounding with Newton, who's had three surgeries in three years. So even if Newton's healthy, there's still questions on the offensive line and in the skill positions with a reduced summer prep, no preseason, new quarterback. And defense, you're replacing like your entire front seven. You had all of the, the holdouts or the opt-outs in the secondary. I mean, they are in rebuild mode. Without Bill Belichick, people I think would be, and you have to respect them, a lot lower on the Patriots than they are. And the Jets are just a dumpster fire. Uh, I don't believe in Darnold and, and Adam Gaze, and I think that's, that's going to go downhill quick. I think they start 0-3 and the, everything just lights up in flames. Couldn't agree with anything you said more than everything you just said. Beautiful. Raybon. I'll talk about Josh Allen because I I like the Bills as well. And so his inaccuracy issues, right? Last year, he threw deep, which is, you know, you expect Josh Allen to to swing it deep because that's one of the things he he can do relatively well. Uh, Throwing to all wide receivers not named John Brown. So that would be Robert Foster, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Andre Roberts, and Duke Williams. He was three for 27 on passes 20 or more yards down the field. Now, throwing to Brown, he was 10 out of 22, um, one of the top mark, one of the top uh, efficiencies in the league in terms of their connection. Stephon Diggs was the best deep receiver in the league last year. Most yards, despite you know Minnesota's offense threw the ball even less than Buffalo, so that could make a huge difference. Um, adding digs and then you also look at Josh Allen's inaccuracy and who's one of the receivers he threw to the most to in his career Zay Jones 
him and Zay Jones have a sub 50% completion percentage together. Horrible stats. Um, but that's who Zay Jones is. Like Zay Jones is not very good and he's not on that team no more. He hasn't been now for, uh, you know, half season. So there is going to be Josh Allen's first full year without Zay Jones and his first full year with Stephon Diggs. So he has now two viable deep threats along with John Brown um, and, and no Zay Jones. And when you kind of look at all those numbers and, and I do this for fantasy and you kind of project them out, removing and adding all the parts, he's just a weak average. He's weak average in accuracy. Like he's not terrible. He's not great, but um, these could have a huge, uh, huge um, kind of impact on his numbers. So I think that's, that's great for Buffalo. And then you just kind of look at them in, in a division and both, you know, New England's shaky at quarterback, Buffalo, you could say is shaky. Everyone is um, everyone, New England and Buffalo have great defenses. Give me Buffalo in a toss up because I think you worry a little bit more about Newton's health. Uh, and I think, um, you know, I think the skill positions are better in Buffalo. So yeah, I'm totally in agreement with Steph here. I feel like Raybon's assessment of Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills is a little bit like the most backhanded compliment you can deliver. He's going to be better than what he was, but that's still going to make him barely average. But in a division with bad quarterback play all around, he might as well be the guy, the guy that you bet on. Hey, That's essentially what you just said. <laughs> well, I meant averaging completion rate. So completion rate uh, of all the stats is not going to necessarily determine who wins and loses the game. It all is going to come down to more so like your efficiency, like your yards per attempt, your net yards or whatever not. But like by, by improving Allen's, completion rate that's going to mean his yardage is going to go up and like I said Diggs is going to help that and so his overall efficiency is going to improve because he's played with this super like perhaps the league's most inefficient receiver that was actually getting playing time in Zay Jones and then perhaps the league's most inefficient uh, kind of combination of guys you can throw deep to at receiver um, that we're getting targets so um, there's just a lot of room for improvement and then remember Josh Allen brings extra with his legs that most quarterbacks don't. He's essentially there, you know, he can play the role of goal line back and um, he can, he can scramble when he's in trouble, which, you know, if the offensive line is struggling in a particular matchup or the, the receivers aren't getting open, um, he can bail them out a little more than most quarterbacks. So it's, it's not a knock against Allen. I'm just saying he, he can get his completion rate to league average, which, and that's been the knock on him. All right. So I, love, I just love how the argument is Rayvon's argument for Josh Allen is he's a goal line back and, and Zay Jones is gone. I'm just kidding. Seriously. Zay Jones, you know, I mean, like, you got to look at the numbers for Zay Jones and Josh Allen. It is like, a, it's like, it's like 47% completions, like 4.8 yards per target. Like, it's bad. But I think that speaks to the larger point. Like, the AFC, outside of the Ravens and the, and the Chiefs, is kind of trash right now. And, like, we couldn't come up with, we came up with a consensus on the AFC North that the Steelers are the best value at plus 350 to win that division. But then we're like debating the Broncos at plus 900 and the Chargers at plus 800. Stucky won't even bet the AFC South. And so Raybon is loving the, the Titans at plus 120 just because you're getting plus money. No, Texans. I like the Texans at plus like, You like the Texans yeah. at, at plus 350, but that's because the rest of the division isn't, isn't very good. And like now we're talking about the Bills at plus 120 in a dilapidated AFC East that used to be like – you know, the cream of the crop. So this is going to make it really interesting when we go into our next segment um, and we talk about odds to win, our, our favorite bets to win the conference. So let's do another thing. Another thing. All right. Your favorite team from the AFC, the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Some, some AFC names, right? Chiefs. At about plus 600, six to one. Ravens, six and a half to one. Then, by the way, after that, it goes to our point. You've got 49ers plus 900, nine to one. Saints, 11 to one. Bucks, 14 to one. Cowboys, 15 to one. Seahawks, 20 to one. Eagles, 20 to one. Then, then you get a little bit of a run. You've got Pats at 20 to one. That is only because of Bill Belichick. And sort of the legacy that he has and bookmakers trying to sort of limit the liability. Colts at 22 to 1, Bills 25 to 1, uh, Steelers at 25 to 1. Like, come on, guys. Let's talk about the AFC here. Stuck, give me one team, one team that is like worth taking a flyer on. Um, 
You know, I'm going to say, again, I can't see the bit. It's a quarterback league. I, I won't invest in the future. I, number one, I won't invest in the future under 10 to 1 in this year with so much uncertainty. I'm, it's just not worth it to me. I think that the, the Chiefs and Ravens are clearly the two best teams in the NFL. I don't want any, any part of a Super Bowl future. I don't see Josh Allen doing it. By the way, Bills, are they going to betting – betting on them in the win division. They haven't won a division since – and either a playoff game or a division since 1994. Um, and, you know, the Colts, I don't I don't see it. Um, I don't think Rivers has that much left in the tank. He'll benefit from playing in a dome at home. He's familiar with Reich, but And I also don't buy their corners. Rhodes is washed. Xavier Rhodes, they're supposed to be their, their big signing. He's washed up. Um, so it's – it's really hard for me to find a team that I like in that mid tier Patriots don't buy them. So it's, I just couple shots in the AFC is what I've done. You make me pick one. Uh, I'm going to say the Broncos uh, at 50 to one, the Browns with their injuries, uh, defense is really making pause. That was my favorite one. Um, the Broncos comes down to the fact that yes, we saw some drew Locke. the offense he was in. He just, I mean, he was throwing it like four yards down the field. Uh, his average depth of target was like nothing. So uh, with this new offense, I, what is it going to look like? I don't know. Is Ken Drew Locke take a next step, right? And if he does and the rookie which receivers work out, they have a Super Bowl caliber defense if they're corners. They could just find a second corner, really, and Callahan's healthy in the slot. Um so I'm going to say the Broncos. It's it's. I'm not necessarily a believer. There's a lot of Drew Locke hype out there. That's not me. But if it does come to fruition, the Broncos are an intriguing team that still will, no matter what, have a home field advantage with that altitude, even with that crowd. So I'll go Raybon. Denver. Raybon. For me, it's it's really two teams. But the one I the one I took was earliest was the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at 25 to one. Uh, I just think that they're a lot more closer to the conversation that the Chiefs and the Ravens are in than to this kind of mid-tier of, you know, dart throws. They have the defense. The defense finished, you know, uh, number three in, in pass and run DVOA last year. I mean, and they have pretty much everyone back. And now they have a quarterback coming back that, um, you know, is is a above-average quarterback, and they have good weapons all around the offense even without AB. Uh, they have a coach, as we mentioned, who's, you know, been there, done that. So I think the Steelers are really that team, um, you know, that's that's kind of given those long shot odds that has a real chance. And, um, you know, I would throw the I would throw the Texans in there as well at, at 50 to one, because, listen, the Texans were right there. The Texans were, you know, they were in the midst of that AFC playoff race, even with the, the shaky defense and all that last year. And uh, a lot of that is just because you have Deshaun Watson, at quarterback. And, you know, in this year where there's going to be all this uncertainty and games missed, you know, defense is going to kind of. Um, has the potential to even out a lot more, either with, you know, Houston improving, other teams declining, uh, or whatnot. So I think 50-1 to 1 is just way too much um, for one of the better quarterbacks in the league um, and a team that's actually won games. It's not just like, you know, Atlanta and Matt Ryan, it's like they'll have one good year and then go like 7-9. and nine. Like Houston's consistently been at least a winning team in that, in that um, playoff conversation. And so I, I think it's way too low uh, for them at 50-1 to 1 as well. So – Every year for the past three years, uh, no, two years prior to this, I have bet the Texans to win the Super Bowl. And I'm way off them because of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm way off them because of Bill O'Brien. I have a lot of concerns about their defense and J.J. Watt just not being able to stay on the field. Um, So the team that I went with, I made six futures bets between division winners and Super Bowl winners. Uh, we talked about some of these last week. I bet the Bears to win their division and win the Super Bowl. I bet Minnesota to win the Super Bowl. I bet the Arizona Cardinals to win the Super Bowl at 50-1. to 1. I also bet the Steelers to win their division. And then the last bet that I made, the Denver Broncos at 50-1. to 1. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with their defense. And – Sort of, I do think they're going to be improving. I do think that, like in a in a quarterback-driven league, Drew Locke was serviceable. I wasn't like, oh my God, he's Kyler Murray, um, but I like what he can do compared to not throwing a game away and having a defense that I think can be really aggressive and potentially sneak out sneak out some wins 
in the playoffs if things bounce their way, if Patrick Mahomes is injured, if they end up not seeing him till the uh, AFC conference, uh, conference title game, things like that. You, if you're in that game, you get a shot. So I went with the Broncos at 50 to one. I was stuck. I was stuck on everything today, and I'm against Raybon. You're betting on the Broncos and Drew Locke at the same odds you could get the Texans and Deshaun Watson on. The Texans have been there every year but one. They've been a winning team with O'Brien, Watson or not. You're really betting against uh, Deshaun Watson with Drew Locke. I just want – at the same odds. I just want you to realize that. But O'Brien's that not getting to the Super Bowl. Okay, but – I mean, but he, just, here, he gets to the wild card Saturday and, and ducks out. And this isn't even opinion. This is like – numbers back this up. Like – Passing efficiency, just straight up, essentially passing offense, which is your quarterback, is correlated to victory, to margin of victory, so much more than like every other factor combined. That like, does the real upside come from the Broncos with an, a maybe okay quarterback and defense, or does it come from the Texans with a great quarterback and a maybe serviceable defense? Like, I feel like it's got to be the Texans. Like, their defense could be bad and they could still be in that conversation. They, their defense was bad and they were still up 20, what, 24 in the Chiefs in the, in, the, in the playoffs? You know, I mean, if they're not playing Patrick Mahomes, they're probably moving on. It's the upside of the addition. The, the, they, have, they drafted basically two starting receivers for them. So if they work out as well, like we just talked about with Josh Allen, the addition of receivers can help out your quarterback, obviously. So if their two receivers that they signed, you know, come in, and they could be productive right away with Sutton as a true number one. You have a good tight end. That's only going to help Locke, who just had basically Sutton last year. But with, even with those two receivers, let's say they have great seasons, do you expect Drew Locke's YPA to be better than Deshaun? No, but the, the Texans are still a better pick. Like, no, it's it's still Bron- passing the, efficiency. The Broncos' defense is night and day. Stopping the pass and, and getting to the quarterback also matters too, and the, and the Texans can't do either. Okay. Broncos just have an average quarterback situation. Like the defense, you could be a lot more average. Like we've seen that with the Texans. That's, that's why it's a bet. Although Raybon is making me rethink this. I can't decide if Raybon's passion for Deshaun Watson, who I have been in love with since Clemson, is making me completely rethink my position. Or if Raybon is being way too derivative and looking only at the numbers and not really considering the other elements that go into this, which is defense will get you at some point. It has to get you to the next round and into the Super Bowl. A, B, Bill O'Brien is just not a guy you want to have any money invested in for an extended period of time. It used to be like many, many years ago. Coaches had zero impact on point spreads, right? And then all of a sudden, like you got North Turner, who is the one guy that every wise guy would downgrade and sort of take points against, um, and Bel Belichick, who everybody would sort of add a point or two of value. Bill O'Brien, to me, has that same impact. Like, he has done such a bad job just sort of in managing this team and in how he coaches his team. I cannot put my hard-earned money for an extended period of time on the Houston Texans. I mean, the Texans actually tend to go over their, their preseason odds because everyone's kind of downgrading them. You know, they, they're, they're, their win total tends to be like eight and a half and they win nine. Uh, you know, they don't, they're, not, they're usually not the favorites for the division, which they end up winning. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of baked in. And, and, and another, Deshaun Watson and the Texans are also uh, one of the most profitable teams to bet as, as underdogs, which, all, you know, like they actually win in these spots because people do doubt them, so. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem betting the Texans over wins to win the division. Um, I just don't see any scenario where they can win a Super Bowl. But for either getting to the conference championship, they're one of two teams in the history that have never even been to a conference championship. Uh, Bill O'Brien might be able to take them to the first Saturday uh, and like that, what was it, the Bengals-Texans Bowl. Um, and you have backup quarterbacks playing. So I mean, he could take them there, but that's it. So I don't have a problem with Texans betting them week-to-week division. Um, but to win a Super Bowl, don't see it. Uh, you know what? I might put a little taste, just a little tiny taste on the Texans at 50 to 1. Chris Raybon, Stucky, host of the award-winning Action Network podcast, our NFL host. You two are a dynamic duo. And a reminder, reminder, two weeks ago, when you guys joined the podcast, we asked fans, we asked fans to rate and review by using the winning phrase, I need a six pack. That's right. 
in their review to win a free Action Network hoodie. We had loads and loads of reviews. Thank you for that. In a second, we are going to reveal the winner. But first, we are doing it again. We are bringing it back. The phrase, the pays contest, same practice. Go rate and review the podcast using the phrase, the dynamic duo, Raybon and Stucky, because they are our betting superheroes. Use the phrase, we will randomly choose the winner to get a free Action Network hoodie. The winner of last week's contest, winning an Action Network hoodie is Mott Yelniff. If that is your real name, Mott Yelniff, you are the winner of the phrase that pays and you are getting an Action Network hoodie. Here is your review. I feel like every gambler in America can agree with me when I say I could use a six pack. It's been a long off season. Things are pretty weird and that's the nicest way I could put it. But host Chad Millman and the Favorites Podcast have been there for me. He confides, he informs, he brings on experts like Chris Raybon and Stucky. He sings sometimes, which is a little upsetting, but this is a show that remembers where it came from. And now after an off season of being ground into dust, it's helping build me back up into the gambler I once was. Thank you, Mott Yelniff. All right, joining me next on the Favorites Podcast. Everybody knows that I am all over the Bears this year, that Simon Hunter, professional better, regular guest of the podcast, co-host with me during the football season, also all over the Bears, all over the Bears to win the NFC North, all over the Bears to win the Super Bowl. We have been getting a lot of questions about the Bears so I wanted to bring in Lauren Cox, who hosts the Lockdown Podcast Network's Lockdown Bears podcast. He knows more about the Bears than just about anybody covering the Bears. And listen, I got a lot of questions, Lauren. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. So I'm going to ignore your Wisconsin accent and just assume that your love of the Bears runs deep. And I have so many questions like, the running back situation, what is happening there? The quarterback situation, what is, what is happening there? What are the Bears doing without Eddie Goldman? Like, let's start with the running back because I think like there's so many questions about David Montgomery right now and people can have those fantasy questions, but like, what are you seeing? What are you hearing about the impact that David Montgomery and what's happening in this preseason is having on the Bears offense and the running back situation? So all eyes are on David Montgomery's groin, which is funny to say now, but it was thought to be about a two to four week injury that he suffered last week from the time we're recording this. And so it's a question of, will he be ready for week one, week two, week three? It's not going to be a long-term injury from the sound of it. It's just more of a strain than anything else. But Matt Nagy says he's really confident in the running backs that they have. You know, They converted Cordero Patterson sort of, He's going to be this hybrid running back wide receiver. That's sort of like the big mystery play toy for this Bears offense this year is what exactly Cordero Patterson's role is going to be, how that's going to look. He's working with the running backs and getting running back coaching, but also still lining up at wide receiver. And you think back to like what the Patriots did with him, there's, you know, it was kind of simplified where he was just in the I formation, you know, outside zone with a fullback, kind of make sure that he didn't have to think too much and learn the full gamut of the running back position, but it sounds like the bears are having him learn pass protection and different routes out of the backfield that he's not quite used to from that wide receiver position. So I get the impression that they feel confident enough in Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson, maybe even Ryan Nall to get by for a week or two, if needed while David Montgomery is out that they can, they can put together a game plan enough to say that those guys can carry the ball enough against the lions and the giants, two opponents that, Maybe they should be able to have some better success against. And then hopefully from there, David Montgomery's back for week three and beyond. And he's coming in in some of the best shape of his life. He dropped some body fat, built, added some muscle, and seems to be moving a little bit quicker. And having that more better comfort in the offense, a better understanding of what Matt Nagy wants him to do, the pieces are coming together there in the backfield. Yeah, spoken like an incredibly naive optimist who uh, – <laughs> I am going to use the benefit of more experience as a Bears fan and say that the last thing you want when you've got a team at 45 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and you've got a team at 4 to 1 to win the division is going into the season just getting by and hoping that the guy can get better for the first two weeks. By the way, especially when let's transition to the quarterback situation 
when you've got the guy who was drafted instead of Patrick Mahomes and who has got the richest contract in NFL history, who's got an MVP and a Super Bowl in his first three years, the guy who was drafted instead of Deshaun Watson, who will soon be getting a mega rich deal, who never seems to have a losing season. This is the guy the Bears traded up. They traded up to get Mitch Trubisky, and he's battling a journeyman QB who, granted, won a Super Bowl, but has never been a great starter. That is my concern, because now we have a quarterback situation that is bad and a running back situation that is bad. And there's offensive line questions in there, too, I'm sure we can get to. But, yeah, the, the, with the quarterbacks, it's, it's one of those things where it felt like this offseason they had an opportunity with so many different quarterbacks available in the free agent market, and even by trade. But, you know, guys like Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton eventually – even Andy Dalton. I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks out there that the Bears could have chose from, and instead they traded a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. And it, it felt like maybe more like Trubisky insurance rather than a full, clear plan to upgrade the position. Like they got a guy that can be a backup, that knows the offense, that has that experience, but can also take over and start when you need him to. But it wasn't a direct, like, let's make this quarterback position as great as possible. And so now it's literally the beginning of September. We still don't know who the Bears starting quarterback is going to be. Trubisky and Foles have pretty much gone back and forth, neck and neck through all of training camp and the preseason, the alternating days of who's getting, you know, practicing with the runs and who's practicing with the twos. Some days Trubisky will look great. Some days Foles will look great. Other days there'll be some mistakes mixed in there. So Trubisky kind of starts as the incumbent and I guess the betting favorite in that regard because he is the guy who has that familiarity with his receivers and offensive linemen and running backs. Even though Foles worked in this offense in the past, it has still been an acclimation period for him. And for a lot of Foles' career, he's been the guy that's almost been better coming off of the bench. You know, he's never played a full 16-game season. And a lot of his best stretches with Philadelphia in particular, Carson Wentz gets hurt halfway through the season, you know, even right at the playoffs. Foles comes in, kind of rides that wave, and gets a Super Bowl MVP as a result. You can kind of see maybe not that good of a narrative, but the same kind of narrative in Chicago, where Trubisky maybe gets the start at the beginning of the year, Bears see how much he can still do and eventually maybe make the change to Nick Foles, see if that can reinvigorate them halfway through the season and push them into the playoffs. So if I have bet on the Bears at 4-1 to to win the division and 45-1 to to win the Super Bowl, Lauren Cox from the Locked On Podcast Network for the Chicago Bears podcast, I might feel pretty good if we go that route. Like, if we can get an Eagles replica, then that could be fantastic for me. Yeah, and you can sort of see, you know, when you just like glance at the Chicago Bears schedule, you can sort of see about where this narrative plays out in terms of when some of these switchovers might happen. Because, you know, week one and two against the Lions and the Giants, Trubisky's always been great against the Lions in his career. It's the one team that he's really been able to beat. Giants, not necessarily pushing for a big time playoff spot. But then you start to get in this stretch Falcons, Colts, Buccaneers, Panthers, Rams, Saints brings you to week eight. There's some potential playoff teams in there and some teams that Trubisky has struggled against in particular. And maybe that's when the change starts to happen. You know, they got a week 11 bye, and then it's a stretch towards the end of the season of some divisional games. Makes the Texans and Jaguars in there, get them really battle tested. And if Foles can be that difference maker, there's a, a run up there into the postseason where there's an opportunity to make some noise. It's a question of, truly how long is Mitch Trubisky's leash if he is even going to get the job? Because it just feels like it's a matter of when Nick Foles takes over as a starter, not if. Well, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. It's also a question of who is he going to throw to? What are his (laughs) weapons going to be? How many tight ends can the Bears sign that nobody else wants that they can sign to multi-gazillion dollar deals? Um, And then it's also a question of, what is the defense going to look like? Like, what am I betting on here? I obviously felt like, like, to me, the Bears had superstars at all three levels of the defense. You had Eddie Goldman anchoring the defensive line. You had Khalil Mack at linebacker. And then you had Eddie Jackson in the defensive backfield. So, like, Eddie Goldman has decided to sit out because of Corona what is your assessment of what that does to this team's chances? I think it's, I mean, it's, it's obviously at a critical role, that nose tackle spot in the middle of this defense. But I think they can 
they can survive without him. You know, in terms of changes to this Bears defense, I, I'm a little bit more concerned about some of the changes in the secondary around Eddie Jackson. But in terms of that front seven, you know, they can have Bilal Nichols slide over to that nose tackle spot and handle some of those reps. I mean, Eddie Goldman is very good at stopping the run and playing, you know, holding on to those double teams and letting the linebackers get downhill and just make those plays in the backfield. But the NFL is won and lost on passing downs. And not that Eddie Goldman is not an effective pass rusher at times, but he's more of that first and second down lineman, and they'll get some different pass rusher rotations in there in third and long in some of those passing situations. So I think they feel like adding Robert Quinn, an outside linebacker, can make up for some of Eddie Goldman's loss. That if you could just have guys that can fill some space on the inside, Mack and Quinn should be able to do some of that damage and feel like, okay, it, even if you're not getting quite the same penetration that Eddie Goldman did, you, you can survive with the guys you have on the defensive line and hope that some of the upgrades you made around them, getting you know, some of their linebackers back healthy, adding Robert Quinn, some changes in that secondary that maybe you can make up for it and keep this defense back in that same top 10 range. All right, Lauren Cox, break it down for me. NFC North, Lions, Bears, Vikings, Packers, rank it for me right now. Tell me who's number one, who's number four at the end of the year. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys that's high on the Detroit Lions more so than I think a lot of people just, I, th- I thought Matthew Stafford played so well last season before he got hurt. So I really struggle with this division because the Packers aren't a three and 13 quality team. Again, the Minnesota Vikings took some step backs. I think you're going to see these teams all finish within one or two wins of each other, you know, 11 and five, 10 and six, nine and seven, eight and eight, all in that sort of range. I'd have to still go Green Bay Packers one until proven otherwise. Then it's, it's really up in the air for me if, if Nick Foles can be that difference maker for Chicago. But I, I still am inclined to say Vikings two, but Bears really close behind them at three. And then the Lions maybe even tied with the Bears. You know, I'm thinking like Packers, you know, 10, 10 or 11 wins, Vikings 10 or 11 wins, and then the Bears and Lions each at nine or eight wins and kind of all really tightly packed in there. But at this point, I'm still kind of ready to go with – where it finished last year, Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions, but much closer than it was last year. You're totally wrong. It's Bears, it's Vikings, it's Packers, it's Lions. Lauren Cox from the Chicago Bears Lockdown Podcast from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for coming on the favorites and making me feel even worse about my Chicago Bears futures bet. They do it to you. I just pass it along. Yeah. All right. You're just the messenger. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the New York Jets, who are one of the more interesting teams that have been getting a lot of attention from betters during the offseason as we head into the season. Host of the Lockdown New York Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, John Butchko. John, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Glad to be here today. Thanks for doing this. The Jets have had a fascinating offseason. You cannot think about the Jets without thinking about turmoil, without thinking about the Jamal Adams trade. Did they get robbed? Did they not get robbed? Are they going to be a better team? Are they a team in which Joe Douglas, the GM, is building a brilliant roster? Or is he a complete and utter fool? What is your take right now about the New York Jets, whose win total, by the way, I think is at a very elevated seven? Joe Douglas did not get robbed when he traded Jamal Adams to the Seattle Seahawks because the Jets did get two first-round picks and a third-round pick in return. And that's a package that I think was comparable to what the Raiders got a couple of years ago for Khalil Mack. Mack is one of the best edge rushers in the league. Jamal Adams is arguably the top safety in the NFL, but safety just doesn't have the positional value of an edge rusher. You could argue about how things got to the point why Adams was so adamant about wanting to leave the organization. Do the Jets have some degree of blame in that? And I think whenever a long-term relationship deteriorates to the point, the relationship between the Jets and Adams deteriorated to, everybody is, ha- is probably responsible to some extent. But the fact of the matter is that Adams did not want to remain a member of the Jets. I don't think it would have been productive for him to stay around. And the Jets got a great package in return. The Jets now have multiple first-round picks the next two years, and that's something they really need because even with Jamal Adams, this was not a team that was winning games. The team that, was, that needed a lot more than Jamal Adams. He was really the only player of value who could bring this type of draft capital back to them in return. So I think if you're looking long-term, the Jets got what they needed. The Jets need, need more draft picks. And now in the short run, it certainly makes the team worse for 2020. I don't think there's any question about that. But I think in the long run, the Jets have given themselves 
what they need, the resources that they need to finally turn this thing around and start building a competitive football team. Do you think this could be a seven-win football team? I look at this roster. I think about what you just said. I think this team is going to be terrible. Seven wins feels like the win total for a mediocre team. Give me your take on that. Yes, I think this can be a seven-win football team. I'm not sure whether it will be. I think I saw it on Pro Football Focus the other day. There was an article that said that the Jets probably have the widest variety of potential outcomes of any team in the NFL this year because you do have a very promising third-year quarterback in Sam Darnold. And if you watch, if you look at the NFL, when teams arrive, it tends to be because their quarterback takes a major step forward. You look at Darnold's first two seasons, they were up and down, but he also had, I mean, there were also lots of issues in the team surrounding him. But here's, the, here's a fact that a lot of people don't realize that's kind of amazing. Sam Darnold was actually younger than Joe Burrow. So he kind of held his head above water in a really bad situation his first two years with the Jets because Jets just were, Jets were not a good football team. They did not put good pieces around him those first couple seasons. And the fact he was able to do that while he still should have been at USC, this, this was supposed to be his draft year. If he had stayed and exhausted his entire eligibility – at USC, this would have been the year where he was drafted. So he was able to do that in such adverse circumstances. Gives you some hope for the future. Gives you some hope that perhaps this could be a year where he does big things. And I know the offensive roster is not that great right now, but I do think they've made improvements, especially on the offensive they brought in. I think they're going to have four new starters this year on the offensive line, including a first-round pick, Mekhi Becton, who has a very high ceiling. If you look at the defensive side of the ball now, there's not going to be Jamal Adams there. And C.J. Mosley also opted out of the season. So there are some major question marks. But you are bringing back Quinnen Williams, who's a very promising player. He was the third overall pick in 2019. Greg Williams did a great job last year as a defensive coordinator. He worked around a lot of the issues the Jets had. He kind of adapted to players that he had. So I think that there's a path to get to seven wins. But there also are issues. This is still not a very good roster. You did lose Jamal Adams. So... You know, I, I don't. I think it's tough to say. I think that can they get to seven wins? Yes. Will they? I'm not so sure. It's hard to think of Sam Darnold and not think of what may have been the most candid moment in the NFL last year, when on that Monday Night Football game he's sitting on the bench and he just says, after throwing one more interception and getting pummeled, he just blatantly says, "I'm seeing ghosts." That was almost like you almost want to just reach into the screen and hug the guy. Yeah, that was a tough night for the Jets. I mean, nobody really played well that night. But you have to remember, that came against the New England Patriots, who had a top defense last year. And I think it's worth noting, I mean, Sam Darnold's not the first 22-year-old quarterback to be totally confused by Bill Belichick. No, that's true. And, like, I know he got better as the end of the season went on. And, I, and like, my bias here is I am not a buyer on the Jets. I do not think they're a seven-win team. I would take the under in this one. But – I also feel like while the Jets played better at the end of the year, if you look at the teams they played and the teams that when they were winning, they weren't beating very good teams. Like, where do you think the production for this team comes from that could potentially get them to seven wins? I think if it's going to happen, you're going to have to see a bounce back year from Le'Veon Bell. Jets gave him big money last year. He, uh, of course, famously held out of the 2018 season with the Steelers came to the Jets and really did not produce, but I'm not really sure how much of that was his fault because the offensive line was just the best for the Jets last year from week one going forward. So you're hoping that the additions they made on the offensive line will at least make life a little bit easier on Bell. They can lean on him a little bit more in the run game. Also, they need to utilize him better as a wide receiver. They really, I don't think they used his skills as well as they could have last year by putting him into the slots, splitting him out wide at times. I think another guy who's really going to have to step up for them is Chris Herndon. And 2019 was just a lost season for Herndon. He began it with a four-game suspension. And then right as he was about to return, he injured. He had an injury. I believe it was a hamstring injury. So once he came off the suspended list, he was on the bench hurt. He finally came back for a game against the Giants, had one catch, and then suffered a season-ending injury there. But he's a guy who played very well. He played, he played well as a rookie. He developed good chemistry with Darnold. And another guy I think you look to is Denzel Mims, rookie out of Baylor. Jets got him late second round. Lots of people think that was a great value move. How much produces a rookie? I mean, that's the question. I think if the Jets, I think for the Jets to get the seven wins, 
guys are going to have to overachieve. Guys are going to have to beat expectations, but that's the path, you know, whether it will happen again, you know, I'm not sure. I, I personally may take the under myself on seven wins for the Jets. All right, John Butchko from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Let me ask you one more question. Last question, because this has been a, a tremendous debate along with my colleagues, Chris Raybon and Stuckey, talking about the AFC East, the value to win the division. And you got the Bills, you got the Patriots, you got the Dolphins, and you got the Jets. We can make a case for all of those teams except for the Jets. Can you make a case for the Jets to win the division? Objectively speaking, I, I think it's possible if everything breaks right for the Jets. Maybe some of the some of the other teams have bad injury luck. The Jets have good injury luck. I think you always have a sh- NFL. If the guys I mentioned step up and have big seasons, then it could really impact the Jets' win total. But I think if you're looking at this objectively, I mean, New England and Buffalo right now look like the class of this division. All right, John Butchko, Lockdown New York Jets podcast from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on the favorites. My pleasure. Thank you to all of our listeners. This has been the Favorites Podcast from the Action Network. I am Chad Millman. Download it on Apple. Download it from Spotify. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, rate, review, subscribe to get your free merch.